Hello. Passionate about sustainability, energy, and climate? You're in the right place. Welcome to Energetic. I'm Maureen Cornelis, and together we will engage with people who dedicate their lives to climate justice and making a just energy transition happen. They may be activists, scientists, policymakers, or other enthusiasts, just like you. Let the life stories and insights inspire you to build a better future for people and the planet. Welcome to Energetic, the podcast that brings you the change makers driving the energy transition. Today, we're honored to introduce Chantal Skeppers, a visionary leader in the clean energy space. As the CEO of Oak Tree Power, Chantal brings over 15 years of seasoned leadership to the table, having steered multiple ventures from local operations to global powerhouses across 17 countries. Chantal is a tireless advocate for clean technology, and she's been instrumental in forging open collaboration with industry titans and policymakers alike. Her mission is to catalyze a sustainable world for all, and through her work, she has successfully deployed smart grids and virtual power plants, VBBs, uh, technologies that are redefining how we think about energy distribution and consumption. So let's see how, under her stewardship, Oak Tree Power is becoming a lighthouse in the stormy seas of the energy transition. Chantel, welcome to Energetic. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Chantel. So Oak Tree Power is uh, positioned as the global interconnected cross-border flexibility leader. Can you explain to our listeners what energy flexibility means, why it's crucial in the, the context of the energy transition, and why did you choose this path? <laughs> well, how did I choose this path? I would say maybe it chose me. <laughs> so probably nearly 15 years ago, I just fell into, you know, one of the first virtual power plants being built. Um, back then, the concept was very unknown. And, you know, nearly 15 years later, I'm still in the industry and very excited to still, you know, be working in this industry. So much changes. So when I really talk about energy flexibility, it's probably worth going through maybe what is the problem and why we need the flexibility. I think on a global scale, we are obviously using a lot more energy than anticipated. Although the big pipes and wires that move the energy around, they are all really old and probably installed in the 1930s and 1940s. And they require an enormous amount of money to just upgrade, to cope with the current demand. Um, I believe a recent Bloomberg report reports um, up to 21 trillion investment needed by 2050 just to upgrade the pipes and wires, just to sustain our current electricity usage. But we're also using a lot more energy than we anticipated. So no longer is the pipes and wires just old. They're just not big enough to move the amount of energy around. So what we do with our customers um, like Deutsche Bank and BNP Paribas is we together with grid operators, pay our clients to use less electricity at times when there's a bit of constraint on the real pipes and wires. So when there's a bit of congestion, um, grid operators will send us a notification and then we will basically reduce our clients' consumption automatically through our hardware and software. It's very much like um, if you've ever taken a flight when it's overbooked, they normally pay some passengers to stay behind and they take another flight. So it's the same kind of concept, but just applies to energy, and we call that sort of energy flexibility. When we talk about the energy transition, um, when we're expanding the networks to just cope with, you know, 
the infrastructure. We also, you know, there's two options. We can either increase our generation in order to cope with demand, or we could look at overconsumption. That's really what we do at Ocha Power. We work with our large multinational blue chip customers to really look at how they can use the energy and their buildings and their operations more intelligently, and at the same time, reduce where possible in order to manage those network constraints. What are their main motivations of your customers really to have a broader understanding? Is it is it money? Is it like saving? Is it being more efficient on their work streamlines? Is it because also of political geopolitics, let's say? Uh, is it for some form of constraints? So why would a big customer, because I assume these are big customers, why would they choose to be more flexible? Each customer that we or client we speak to, they have many different drivers. Some of them have cost saving pressures because, you know, energy is a lot more expensive than it used to be. And then also everyone has net zero targets. So there's a lot more pressure from the consumers to be more sustainable and have a net zero goal. So not only do they need to use less energy, they also need to use it smarter and be better for the environment. But then at the same time, you know, To be more sustainable and have renewable technologies or renewable sort of generation sources and operation is also quite expensive. So it's really looking at what kind of options we can put together for our customers that really helps them onto that journey and that seamlessly tie into any kind of energy saving and sustainability efforts they already are undertaking. So our solution currently looks at the cost saving for our customers, typically up to around 30% reduction in their baseline energy. And then secondly, we're also pay them to play their part in the wider network as we go through this energy transition together. And of course, it's more sustainable for every kilowatt you don't use. There is no cost, but there's also no corresponding carbon footprint, which inherently makes the solution a lot more sustainable. We would say tapping into that previously unavoidable CO2 emissions. Well, wow, so it's really like the impact looks absolutely massive. Why, according to you, this is not more widespread? So what is uh, like in the broader context of the energy transition? Why is like Oak Tree Power still considered somehow a startup, whereas it's actually something that has the potential of getting so much bigger and so much mainstream somehow? So how do you envision like uh, this future of energy uh, with this integration of clean technology and really flexibility and, and the kind of businesses that you are leading? I would say with many years of experience in what I would call now the clean tech energy startup space, it does require different phases for the industry. You generally start with your innovation phase, then your early adopters, and then you cycle into mass market. And at the same time, the pipes and wires weren't as old as they were 15 years ago. And the energy crisis is only a bit more apparent in the in the recent years when you're looking in the media. So I think as a global economy, we're all looking at energy and the energy transition. We all understand it now. And I think that is why sort of clean tech companies have a more of a brighter future now. It's, the need is definitely there. And I can see the demand for climate tech companies playing a vital role in the energy transition. Because globally, like I said, our grids are transforming. They need to expand. We also need to decarbonize. But at the same time, we also need to digitize. And I really do see sort of smart tech companies or climate tech companies being the enablers of the new sort of smart grid economy or net zero economy. 
Yeah, and you are really a, a leader in this. And uh, you have been emphasizing, let's say, a more collaborative approach with the global industry leaders and uh, government bodies as well. And how has this collaboration shaped Oak Tree strategies and offerings, but also how has it influenced your own uh, career so far? Well, um, like I said, you know, 15 years ago, everyone just paid their energy bill. No one really paid a lot of attention to it. And I believe, you know, with that inherent experience we have, we have a duty of care to the industry to really make our knowledge available and collaborative work with our clients as well as, you know, governing bodies that write new policy. And, you know, working in a collaborative approach with a large multinational, multi-site customers, it's really important for us to work together and find those internal champions, socialize the information, as well as rolling out successfully because you're just repeating the success you've achieved to one side to another side. We're also, as we're expanding to more and more locations, we always look for the right partners to work with in each location. One example of that is in the UK, we are working closely with Manchester Metropolitan University, which is named as the number one sustainability university in the UK. And it's through this specific collaboration and partnership that we are developing an AI product specifically for the built environment that will improve energy efficiency in buildings by up to 45%, which is in line with the um, international energy agencies call to lower all buildings energy usage by 45% by 2050. And we, we believe that this product seamlessly ties into policy to achieve that. And this, like I said, working with our large commercial real estate customers, not just in the UK, but on a global scale to really look at how our solutions can put them to on that path towards net zero. Yeah, that's fascinating because I didn't know that Oak Tree Bauer was also working with the, like the built environment and really like uh, universities, which are somehow, I genuinely thought that you were working only with industrial players. So knowing now that you also work with those kind of, of uh, entities, uh, universities, research centers and places that are actually where people gather, where it's not only about, you know, saving for the production of something else, but really uh, for also the comfort and well-being of the students and dedicating maybe more more of the money that is available to the to the to studying, to um, to researching, etc., makes it even more fascinating. Do you have other examples of other customers you've worked with or or you would like to work with maybe? <laughs> no, sure. Um, so we work with industrial and commercial clients, really, and how the virtual power plant industry started was mainly with large industrial users. But as the, the concept is becoming a little bit more wider known, it's now... And in order to reach mass market, we have to go down layers and really taking that experience and developing the right products that is still commercially viable when you scale down, which I think is really important. We have a number of interesting projects, which is not 100% confirmed yet, um, of similar style and nature that we're working on in um, sort of Europe, in Greece and in Belgium. And we believe that the products we're working on you know, true innovation that would really set the standard within the industry and really drive energy efficiency, sustainability and flexibility as a whole. That's really, really, really interesting. On my side, I've been working on flexibility for a few years now. 
mostly in Africa, in a context where there is some scarcity of, of uh, the electricity available. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, to kind of want to enable the, the grid to leapfrog from a basic system level to something that is actually able to respond to to more renewables and to a better quality of the service, etc. But I find it really absolutely fascinating how, you know, the kind of uh, this technology, how it's only at its beginning and that there are so many, let's say, uh, ways of making it happen and uh, that actually deliver more for the people without making some some really embarrassingly uh, high uh, investments or things that would really uh, be a constraint for, for the future. Because what I, I understand from flexibility is that the return on investment can be quite quite fast. Can you dig a little bit in, into this kind of, of thing? Also because, I mean, I, I'm sure some people would love to be more flexible, but can they? Yeah, I would say sort of, I've been in this sort of smart tech, sort of virtual power plant flexibility space for about 15 years now. And it's really taking all my collective experience to develop um, sustainable solutions. So our solution is at no cost to our clients. So the payback to them is virtually instant. Our solution, you know, takes a little, well, less than six weeks to install. So the benefit is almost instantly. And I think I have a particular sort of passion when it comes to Africa. Being from South Africa myself, I understand load shedding and when there's not enough power. And I can see just the economy suffering as a whole, small businesses suffering. And, you know, my main driver overall by getting into energy and energy sustainability is really looking at how to build a sustainable system that will benefit not just the people obviously using electricity today, but also in the future, looking at my sister and the kids, you know, we really want to build something that is more sustainable for their future, even if I'm no longer around. So, you know, that's my personal driver of why I get out of bed in the morning and why I've made this my life's work. Um, you know, we all have to have a reason to get out of bed and, you know, if it's something very close to home and it can help my home country and, you know, develop solutions in the UK and in Europe and really get to that really sustainable grid, it's really um, make that sort of learnings available so we can really bring energy to, I think there's nearly 700,000 or 700 million people in Africa still without electricity. So it's an enormous amount uh, of people still without electricity, which means no Wi-Fi, which means no access to free education, right? So, yeah, that's the, the big goal over in the far right corner. But systematically, you know, how do you, how do you eat an elephant a bite at a time? The industry's come a very long way in the last 15 years, but we, we still have a very long way to go in the next 15 years. Wow, that's uh, really so inspiring and really having uh, the idea that, uh, yeah, maybe the grid is an elephant that we need to to eat one bite at a time. Is, I, I really love this metaphor. I'm going to use it again. <laughs> so thank you so much, Chantal. So you work with uh, four kind of innovative products under one umbrella. So can you shed some light, uh, pun intended, on these products and how they contribute to a streamlined and a sustainable growth model? Sure. I would say with an tree, we have a really fantastic team and, you know, everyone has great expertise and knowledge with the industry. And what we've really done is sat down and looked at our collective experience and knowledge and how can we create the right products 
in order to deliver and drive the right value in the environment we have today. And that's led us to de develop a range of disruptive digital solutions to drive sustainability as well as new business models. Our solutions are quite simple. It works with um, our clients' existing energy suppliers utilizing the current infrastructure. And like I said before, our little box that we call the Acorn can be installed in less than six weeks. There's no upfront cost to our customers and there's also no downtime, which makes it you know, instantly available. And that little Acorn then connects to our software platform, or we call our Sustainable Energy Management System, or SEMS. And then that SEMS would really match the client's energy profile to a number of different digital solutions that we have to a, either drive energy efficiency to lower cost, match that in real time with flexibility programs in order to generate revenues, which can either be used to offset energy costs or you know, invest into new sustainable initiatives. And then at the same time, capture the wider, not just the, the customer's, the client's carbon footprint reduction, but also the wider system benefit. Because every time we might run a program and the customer's main driver is, for example, to lower their carbon footprint, we would look at the grid intensity when it's running coal, for example, and then we try and run our programs and solutions at the same time time in order to lower the, the client's energy consumption at the time when, you know, the grid's coal intensive, maybe. So it's a bit more analytical in the background, but really looking at what is the customer journey, what is their main driver, and then really developing the right bespoke digital strategies for that specific client or that specific site. Have you been able so far to try some, some of this technology in, in South Africa, in your home country? <laughs> In a previous life at a previous company, we did scale into South Africa, but I think the energy economy over there was um, a little bit gray. You know, if you provide a solution, people participate in these programs because there is a revenue driver. And if the revenue isn't being paid, of course, the adoption isn't going to be there. But I believe um, there's a number of new products and solutions in South Africa at the moment, they have a very old grid and they have a very big country. So that infrastructure is just very expensive. We did not see just in South Africa. We're seeing that in Australia. We're seeing that in America. And, you know, these are first world countries also dealing with the same problems and the same struggles. And now we have a third world country with just lots of pipes and wires to upgrade and it's just too expensive. So you've really got to look at smart, distributed and in some ways disconnected smart grids to really maintain different pockets of the country rather than having those big overhanging networks because we just know it's not sustainable to upgrade them. Like the cost to just keep them running is very expensive. Absolutely. That's really, really interesting because it's it's like uh, global, think global, but act really local because uh, every every territory will make, will have a different impact footprint uh, needs also. And uh, the, I would expect also the, the impact to be more visible in certain areas than it is in others because of all, all, all the constraints. And as you said, one of the key elements, really one of your mission is really to help your clients lower their CO2 emissions. So if the grid is extremely carbon intensive, like with coal power plants, for instance, whenever you, you enter and whenever you manage to lower the pressure on the grid and make sure that, that the grid, your client first and the grid overall consumes less uh, less electricity, it means that they consume less coal. If they consume less coal, well, they, they lower their, their carbon footprint. So so really it's uh, paving the way for, for net zero, really. So are there any kind of uh, 
success stories or milestones that you would like to share today? I'm really, I think, you know, for so many people, those kind of conversations remain something like a high level and they don't understand that it's already now. It's happening already now. And, you know, until a few years ago, I didn't get it either. And that's why I'm really, really curious about this topic. I really want to know more. I really want to lower my footprint to make sure that I use the electricity at the right moment. We've had several uh, guests here on Energetic who, who explained that to us, but can you share really some, some milestones and examples uh, coming from Oak Tree Power? And by the way, you also have to explain me the name of the company. <laughs> sure. So I always think it's it's always good to give a real tangible example of a specific customer that we're working with. So I'll probably talk about um, one of our clients, the Financial Times. We've been working for them, um, with them um, over the last sort of 18 months. And the main driver for them adopting our solution was cost saving and reducing, reducing their CO2 emission. So we started by analysing their energy profile and then looking at their building and then designed a bespoke strategy that will fit for that customer's profile and comfort levels because it's very important, you know, to work with the customer to develop a solution that they are comfortable with. It can't just be an off-the-shelf cookie-cutter solution that's the same for everyone because not everyone operates the same way. Every business is different, you know. There might be a hundred companies making pencils, but they might all make it differently. And therefore, inherently, our solutions need to be scalable, but also have that level of bespoke customization in order to really make sure we get you provide the right benefit to your customers to drive the right value drivers effectively. So our bespoke program at the moment runs silently and intelligently in the background. And there's no impact on comfort or operations, and more importantly, no complaints. <laughs> and while that's all happening silently and intelligently in the background through our little box, the Acorn, and the client saving around 26% off their annual electricity bill. So all of this is automated completely. The customer can focus on their core business. They don't really have to get involved in all these complex decision making because our system is quite smart and it will do the rest for them. The building is also in the city, uh, the centre of London. And what we find with most sort of urban areas, you can't just build a big power station in the middle of the city because there's not space and you can't, you know, put in sort of solar or, you know, a wind turbine in the middle of the city. So you really have to manage the network within a sort of a city, specifically an old city like London. You have to manage that quite tightly. So the financial type provides crucial flexibility service to the local distribution operator. So, the, you know, the pipes and wires operator for the City of London, so they provide flexibility services. So when there's a little bit of congestion on a specific section of the network, they will reduce the energy consumption. Again, that's completely automated for our system, operates silently and intelligently in the background. And in return, they get paid for participating in this program. And I would say... Every time we run this program, the client is reducing, um, obviously, their the costs, but they're also getting paid. But then crucially, because they're providing these flexibility services, we are capturing that wider carbon benefit. And in this particular case, the um, CO2 savings for this particular client is amplified by another 2,123 kilograms as a direct result of participating in the flexibility program. So this customer, had we make one adjustment and the there's three benefits, savings, 
revenue as well as the corresponding carbon footprint because, like I said, for every kilowatt not used, there is no corresponding carbon footprint, but then there's also the wider system benefit, which we touched on previously. So if you put that into context, really, if 120 buildings were running the same program as the Financial Times, that's roughly 24 million kilowatt hours saved annually. And if you put that into a cost perspective, that's um, just over 7.2 million euros in savings. And if you're looking at the CO2 savings, it's nearly 9,000 tonnes of CO2 saved every single year. To put that into context, it's the equivalent to 3,460 flights from Amsterdam to Rome. So it's a significant saving. So every kilowatt we reduce has a collective benefit and the more customers we have, you know, it is a substantial saving that we are doing. Um, And it's really the only well, I'd say the only cost-effective scalable solution specifically in the built environment because we are limited because of space and, you know, every square metre has to have a price tag specifically in, you know, all the European cities. So we have to be smart on how we deal with that network congestion. Yeah, that's, I was totally unaware of the magnitude of, of those numbers. It's, it's, of those figures. It's, it's really, really, it's, it's incredibly high. And, uh, and, uh, well, it makes so much sense really to tap into, into this kind of potential, especially in, as you said, in cities that are, uh, I mean, n- not all buildings can get solar panels on their roof. And even though they would have solar panels, if they don't use the electricity, when, when the electricity gets produced, it doesn't really make so much sense, uh, in that, uh, in that context. So that, that is, uh, wow. I'm really impressed. Also wondering, you said that your customers would, were getting paid each time they were not using the electricity at the, at, uh, the, the peak, at peak time, let's say. Uh, where does this electricity, the, the money come from? How does that really work into your broader system? So it's a very good question. Um, It's a question we get asked a lot, really. So if you look at how energy used to work, you had a central power station, energy flowed one way to the end consumer, right? But as we are decarbonizing in favor of renewables, they are intermittent, which means, you know, we have to manage supply and demand still without having that consistent power because the sun is not always shining and the wind's not always blowing. And then, you know, we have these pipes and wires that's really old. You have them nationally and you have them locally. And when we manage flexibility, like reducing our overconsumption, what happens for the grid operators is um, they can defer the upgrades of a specific area because they can manage the congestion better or delay it in some cases, which means You know, in those cases, it's millions to upgrade a substation. And if you can have a collective pool of customers collectively reducing their consumption, you might be able to defer that network cost indefinitely. So then a proportion of that is then used to encourage industrial and commercial um, clients to obviously participate in these programs. And on a national level, said all the really old pipes and wires, they move energy around and the less upgrades and expansion we have to do because we're managing our energy better because we've moved from a consumer just energy flowing one way down to the consumer where you have households now having solar and EV, so energy is flowing in many, many different directions. That's why we also need to digitize. So if you look at smart grid economies, that is inherently distributed and in some ways disconnected from the bigger pipes and wires, the overall network cost is reduced. So then that um, revenue pool is then set aside for these balancing programs. And also, you know, a large portion of the 
the revenues come from traditionally, you know, the country would need more power. So you send a signal to a power station and they'd make more power, right? It works the same way, but the only difference is we don't make power, we just produce power, but same concept. So they still pay for not, you know, um, not producing the power and lowering your consumption. Yeah, that's uh, that's really really interesting. Also, like as a, as a mindset, could that that work for uh, for everyday people, for uh, household consumers as well, or would it be like too complicated because people have different habits? And uh... yes, I think overall, really, human behavior is probably the hardest thing to adjust. And what we do, um, specifically in the UK, which is a little bit more ahead in regards to the flexibility um, environment and how they've um, gone through their journey over the last 15 years, there is programs currently in the UK that pays household customers or residential customers to turn down their energy at certain times. And there's a number of different providers offering this service. So we are seeing more and more of these programs being developed because I think on a global scale, everyone's realizing it's far more cost-effective, far more scalable, and far more sustainable to use less energy than to just build more energy. So, you know, it's great to see that we've come such a long way. We still have a very long way to go. But, you know, one of my missions is to take flexibility into as many markets as possible and really making sure we can collectively make a huge difference. Chantal, as you look ahead, what's uh, really next for Oak Tree Power? You still have to tell me what uh, what the name stands for, because uh, I would expect the oak to be a very uh, very strong tree. Uh, so, is it is it why you, the company has this name? Well, I'll get onto that now. So, um, I would say, what is next for us? So, we are building the world's first global interconnected flexibility market space. Because I think everyone looking around sees just the energy industry as a whole and it's a little bit broken, fragmented, disconnected, and really have to focus on delivering um, sort of newer solutions that really benefits the entire um, energy value chain. And that's why we are developing our system to really bridge the gap between electrical asset owners and flexibility buyers to really accelerate the transition. And with a couple of industry firsts already on our belt within the team, having worked on the first virtual power plant, first grid-scale storage, and a number of others, um, it's really time for us to look at flexibility or flexibility 2.0. What does the next layer look like? How do we go into the mass market? And, you know, we have nearly 90 megawatts currently under management, over 160 sites in three different countries, and we're expanding to more markets. You know, and the team is working on a number of I would say truly innovative solution that is really going to transform the way we um, the energy efficiency within sort of our customers' sites and really drive that innovation and sustainability and really develop, you know, the right flexibility products to unlock that huge potential. So it's definitely a very exciting time for us. And, you know, I'm very proud of my team. And like I said before, this will be my life's work. So, you know, Definitely sure I'm going to give my all. Um, when it comes to the, the company name, um, the, the two co-founders decided on the name before I joined. It's, you know, really come from a banking and finance industry. And yeah, it's a strong, powerful oak tree. And that's why we have the acorn. But really, if you're looking at our cross-border interconnected marketplace, if you look at the, the roots of an oak tree, it really expands far and wide. Um, and, you know, it's a strong, stable 
sort of platform, you know, lots of experience and knowledge. <laughs> you know, there's a number of metaphors we can put in there, but, you know, mainly that's come from banking and finance industry. And, you know, they're like the, I would say the, most people look at an ocean, they go steady, safe, you know, secure. And that's kind of what they wanted for the business as well. I love that. I think that in this time of uh, uncertainties uh, regarding the security of supply, energy price crisis, etc., it's really good to have some uh, some steadiness and some some ways we feel safe about something. And and really, uh, uh, oaks have these beautiful, uh, sturdy branches, but they also have very strong roots. Uh, and I feel that what you are doing is bringing some kind of new roots for the electric system somehow. So Chantelle, is there anything you would like to add now? Because we are reaching the end of our, our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to discover your company. I think it's really fascinating what you do, and I will definitely keep uh, keep an eye on to what you are doing, really. You know, I have to say, scary Going on to the energy transition net zero, I find that a lot of the clients I'm speaking to just don't know where to start. And, I, you know, I've always said I'm available, even if it's just for advice. You don't even have to be my client, right? Um, you know, just making the knowledge available and helping as many as many clients and customers as I can just to really understand how to buy flexibility, how to source it, where to start, what is the right kind of programs for your site or your building, I, you know, that's a good place to start because at the end of the day, the revenues are there. Um, and in some cases, they are annual recurring revenue streams and they are substantial. So, you know, I really do encourage anyone um, in every location in the world where they are listening from. There is flexibility programs and they are they are more and more being developed as time goes on. So, you know, start reading and see how you could benefit. Perfect. Yes, I will definitely put your contact details, uh, well, the LinkedIn uh, contact details on the show notes and I will encourage anybody to to reach out. And you're also a member of Smarten. So uh, the it's, it's the, the Smart Energy uh, Coalition, let's say, uh, umbrella organization in Brussels. So uh, you can be found very often there, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, you're a very active member and you, I suppose you are also... Also attending some interesting industry platforms as well. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will meet very soon. Yes, um, I think I am at the next sort of Smart Den conference. Um, I might be in Paris at Enlit. So if you're around, definitely come and find us. I'm happy to chat to anyone. But yeah, I'm looking forward to looking to meeting everyone. Yes, I will be there. I will be actually chairing uh, uh, the energy poverty session on uh, Thursday, the 29th of November. So this is also a message to our listeners. If you're in Paris, join us at uh, Enlit. And uh, in the meantime, thank you so much, uh, Chantal Scappers uh, from Oak Tree Bauer for, for your time. It's been super interesting. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to catching up soon. Thanks for listening to Energetic. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into sustainability and the just energy transition with the most inspiring stakeholders. All links and resources are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this podcast, why not recommend it to a friend or a colleague? To continue the conversation, head on over to Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you for lending your ears. That's all for this episode. Until next time.